da 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 let's see oh thank fucking god jesus hi everybody this is your host max smith and i do be having technical difficulties out here first and foremost what what's going on guys how are you let's take a quick little beat and recenter ourselves and give ourselves a little a little check-in moment wow what a beautiful day do you notice how i just distracted you from your anger with me i feel like a mother who abandoned her children i gave zero notice of the fact i was skipping the pod last week i wasn't really intending to skip the pod last week i got really busy and i think when you hear my excuse you will forgive me so as we all know i just completed the colorado trail today is thursday i completed the trail on monday and i'm done with that shit and i'm never going back and we can talk about that in a a hot minute but when the pod was due last a week ago i was i believe it was tuesday and i was in the town the godforsaken hellhole of a town called lake city what honestly to call it a town is generous i would probably use the word village that feels more more compatible with the truth the godforsaken town of lake city is in colorado uh oh hey everybody also if this is your first time on the pod welcome um it's a mess around here but it's a fun time we all have some laughs so i was through hiking the colorado trail i have been hiking for 29 days it took me 29 days to walk 500 fucking miles there was a hundred thousand feet of elevation gain i have no love for the colorado trail people who hike the colorado trail and they're like wow i love through hiking oh my god i'm sorry there is a little hang on sorry we're having a little bit of an emergency in honolulu hang on don't you guys know we're trying to film a fucking podcast up here jesus somebody's actual medical emergency can wait for gremlin talk okay okay back to why i don't trust people who say they love the colorado trail okay so coming into the colorado trail i had no idea anything i did zero research um i truly i didn't even know how long it was i thought it was 550 miles i didn't know where any towns were it it wasn't it wasn't really my finest work as a researcher as a woman in stem i did not do any research and as we all know that's how i live my life so it's fitting but colorado trail so you can take the collegiate east route which is 486 miles or you can take the collegiate west route and that is 493 miles or so okay so just under 500 miles this trail has i believe 90,000 feet of gain i think that's the east route i don't know how much more for the west route that's a lot of gain, you guys. Let's let me do some quick maths, okay? I was trying to calculate the number of feet per per mile and I just did it the backwards way and it was 0.0054 miles per foot. Um women in STEM Bunsen burner. Okay, let me do the right math. I really should not apply to grad school given the fact that I just had to do that calculation. Okay, so 
90,000 feet of elevation gain divided by 486 miles equals 185.19 feet of gain per mile. Per mile, you are climbing 200 feet. And <laughs> let's not forget, like half the time on the trail is descending. So you're looking at somewhere between 300 to 400 feet of gain uh, per mile uphill and also descending a lot because most of the time we would go straight up a mountain pass and then straight down the backside of the mountain pass. The point I'm making here in a roundabout way is I did not know how much climbing there was on the Colorado Trail. I did not realize that the average altitude was 10,000 feet. The, the average is 10,000 feet. We spent a lot of time sleeping at 12,000 or even a little bit higher. The, these are things I did not know. I didn't know these things. I didn't do research and that's my own fault and I didn't know that, but I was like, oh, I love, I lived in Boulder for a summer. I love Colorado. I would maybe want to move there someday and I don't know what to do with my leave of absence time other than completely immerse myself in the outdoors. So I picked the Colorado Trail on a whim and here we are. Those 29, 29 days that I was living outside, let me tell you, every morning we woke up with wet tents. Oh, I have so much more background I want to give you. So the last podcast episode we have, I believe was in Breckenridge. That was before I met my tramily or started hiking with my tramily. So a tramily in through hiker world is your trail family. And for me, that was Ash and Val. And we had a lot of other side characters. There were a lot of other outer planets in our little ecosystem, our little solar system. Okay. I met Val. She's amazing. She's my queen. She went to West Point. She went to MIT. She's like one of those people I consider to be my platonic soulmates. We met. I, I feel like I've told you guys this story, but we met. She had been listening to my podcast uh, during segment seven, and I met her the day after she hiked segment seven. The only reason I survived the Colorado Trail is Val. Val got me through some really tough times. There were a lot of days where my sleeping bag was soaked and it was freezing outside and we had to get up at 4 a.m. to hike over a fucking mountain because we we're going to get hit by lightning and Val is the reason I am alive to tell the tale, okay? We were also hiking with Ash. We had met Ash. Oh, I had met Ash on day two, day three of the trail. She was the first person I told my trail name to. As some of you may recall, my trail name was Seven. After Seven Eleven, we ended up naming Val Eleven. Not we. I mean, it was a group of old men on the side of the trail. But I have said this on Instagram, and I'll say it again. The thing I did not expect out of the Colorado Trail was the sense of community. I did not expect to make so many friends. I didn't expect to feel so connected to a group of strangers. It makes perfect sense. I think that trail friendships are the most pure friendship. There's literally nothing else to do but walk all day and commiserate over the fact we're like avoiding lightning bolts and it's raining all day and we're all hungry and sick and dying. Beyond just Ash and Val, there were a lot of other characters in our universe. Uh, we definitely were in a bubble. So it's so odd in through hiking because of towns and the way that people take zero days. A zero day is simply a day where you don't walk any miles. I only took one zero day and I wish I had time for more zero days, but I did not because of where I am now, which I will tell you guys in a second. 
we ended up oftentimes in groups with people. Okay, so we kept seeing the same familiar faces just over and over and over again. And sometimes you're like, oh my God, I can't believe we're seeing this group of people again. Other times you're like, oh my God, my best friends, everyone's back together. So it was really amazing that we were able to end the trail with a couple other characters. So our girl Mel, she was pulling 30s to catch up with us. So Mel came. It, it was just such a lovely little moment of community and just enjoying the outdoors together enjoying is a strong word but we're gonna use it so that is probably my favorite part of through hiking the colorado trail the people the environment just we're all in this together kind of teamwork i loved literally i'm walking away with a best friend for life in val and then i've got a really great friend in ash my sweet little angel baby as well as a lot of other people who i met on trail so i am so fucking grateful for everybody who was out there suffering through it together what was my least favorite part of the Colorado trail wow so many options let's think First and foremost, the thing that really gets me, the thing that really stands out to me is probably waking up in, as I've already mentioned, a wet ass tent every single morning. I somehow had the wettest tent in all the land. Like instead of WAP, I had a wet, I had a wet ass tent, okay? My gossamer gear, the two, just dripped on me. It, it literally... <laughs> <laughs> on windy nights which were by far the worst the the condensation in my tent would rain down on me okay i would wake up to water droplets being sprayed onto my whatever little amount of forehead was poking out of my sleeping bag because it was cold there was probably also the fact that it rained every day it somehow rained on this trail every single day and it's not unusual right like summer thunderstorms are extremely common in the rockies and in colorado however we happen to be here during like the wettest year they've like ever had and it was ridiculous i have never looked at clouds as much as i was looking at clouds for the last month even now i am where i am <laughs> i looked up at the sky and i saw the clouds and i was like hmm this is the first time i've looked at the clouds since i've left the colorado trail you you lived and you died by the clouds okay so we were there were a couple extremely exposed sections in these exposed sections, you were often going up mountain passes. Uh, the most notable one to me is that there was a 30 mile exposed section out of Lake City on the way to Silverton. So you're just 30 miles of walking at like 11, 12, 13,000 feet and you're on these ridge lines and it's crazy beautiful. Okay, the views were amazing. I I will say the first 100 miles of the trail are kind of blah. You're just in forest and you can't really see anything. But then you're on these exposed ridge lines and it's so beautiful and so gratifying. I don't know if it's gratifying enough to outweigh the absolute shit show of hiking, but it, it was really pretty. I will say this experience could have been a lot more enjoyable if I wasn't on such a tight timeline. I had to be back in Los Angeles by the 16th, so that gave me a max of 29 to 30 days to complete the trail. I originally was hiking with Alex and Alex needed to be done by the 11th and i was like 
yeah not dog i'm gonna slack pack this segment you can go ahead i think there's also something to be said there's different ways to approach a through hike i had a really interesting conversation about this with a girl i met on trail named rachel who is another sweet angel baby and oh my god i, I met so many really nice people on trail so there's two main ways to go about a through hike there is the achievement based way and there is the experience based way achievement based way people are a obsessed about their daily mileage they're like i need to hike 30 miles a day and i'm gonna crush miles and i'm gonna challenge myself and like the whole thing is like i want to you know it's very hard and i think you guys can figure out very quickly which kind of hiker i am well maybe not actually because i've definitely leaned both ways in life and then there is the experience based away an example of this is my dear friend mosey i am so stressed about this man i know he's literally still out there probably on the cow flats mosey is the best experience based way model okay for reference i started the trail on july 16th mosey started the trail june 24th (laughs) mosey started like three weeks, three and a half weeks before me. I caught up to Mosey during the cow flat section. Dude, fuck the cow flats, by the way. Let me explain what that is real quick. On the Colorado Trail. Again, this is something I only learned through word of mouth on trail because I did no research. So on the trail, there is this section where there's a million cows because the trail goes through these like live free range cow farmer section okay and it begins at marshall pass and it ends just before the saddle up to san luis peak it is like 80 miles of cows there's so many cows i i was questioning my vegetarianism after that section the problem with cow flats uh, and by the way the name cow flats is so it's like how they named iceland iceland and greenland greenland it's a lie okay it is not flat it's not flat you think oh we're just gonna really easily put in 25 mile days no it's not flat you're still gonna be covering 3,000 feet of gain a day okay the cow flats so much okay so on the cow flats there is very limited water the water sources are far and few between they're not very large sources and to add to it the cows poop in the water a lot of people get giardia i only chose to drink from fairly good sources but even still there were some pretty sketchy water sources i had to drink from and of course we're filtering our water but it's always a risk because people don't usually double treat waters like they'll filter it but they won't chemically treat it and i didn't want to chemically treat it honestly i don't think i would have been too upset if i had gotten giardia and been forced to get off trail (laughs) so we're deep in the cow flats and we get to monarch pass monarch pass is about six miles from the end of the collegiate west side we chose the collegiate west because it's more beautiful even though there were hella thunderstorms we were deciding in lake city which way we wanted to go collegiate west or east and we had our hearts pretty set on west because those are some of the best views on the trail besides the sand ones we go into the lake city or to call it a ranger station is generous it's it's a visitor center it's it's pretty kitschy 
And Val and I walk into the visitor center and we talk to the guy at the front desk and he says, I have a degree in meteorology. I will pull up the weather for you. We're like, oh my God, great. He takes like a three second glance at it and he says, yeah, it's not really looking so good. Like, what do you mean, man? What, what, what does that mean, sir? Oh, you know, as long as you guys are done by like 12 to noon and just can hide from thunderstorms, you're going to be fine. What what kind of answer is that? Okay. Val and I were like, you know, we're not afraid. I mean, we are a little scared of thunderstorms, but it's really not that big of a deal. We'll just, we'll manage, right? By the way, Lake City was, oh my God, this isn't Lake City I'm talking about. I'm talking about Twin Lakes. Lake City is the hellhole. Twin Lakes is actually kind of nice. It's before Hope Pass. It's near Leadville. We had the worst resupply of all time at Twin Lakes. We, we put so much faith into Twin Lakes. Val and I were walking and we kept saying, oh, we'll get this done in Twin Lakes. We'll do this in Twin Lakes. We get to Twin Lakes and what happens? We get into town. We get iced coffee. We sit around for a little bit and then we find a bunch of our friends. So our friends at Mellon Starbucks were there. They convince us to hitch a ride with them back to Leadville to the hostel they're staying at. So we end up back in Leadville. That was the last town we had been in. We were back in Leadville after hiking 45 miles around Leadville and we don't get our resupply done until 9.30 p.m. This was the first time I had to skip the pod. Uh, It got really stressful doing that resupply and I said there's absolutely no way I can do an hour of a podcast and edit and post and everything. I all of my town days were the worst. My town days on the Colorado Trail. So I've like lightly promoted this on this podcast, but I have started doing daily vlogs on YouTube. I just like documenting. I think it's fun. I get to show everybody what's going on in my life, right? So I've got these daily vlogs. I'm editing, I'm posting, I'm uploading, I'm writing descriptions, I'm making thumbnails. Like there's a whole lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. Every single time I was in town, I was having to do, you know, four to five hours of work just to keep up with the daily vlogs, which I don't mind because I really enjoy them, but it definitely limits my amount of enjoyment, whereas everyone else could just chill out, do their resupply, hang out with friends, eat a bunch of food. I was like frantically editing and uploading and I had all kinds of trouble with Wi-Fi and my phone storage would get mad at me and then things would upload. Like that is part of why Lake City was the worst. Like Twin Lakes is nothing compared to Lake City. Lake City, I had no service. The hostel we were staying at had no Wi-Fi, so I had to go sit outside of the Lake City Public Library and bum their Wi-Fi, which had the speed of like an actual snail. It was so hard to upload. It was just, I'm complaining about things I shouldn't be complaining about, and I, I understand that, and, I'm, and I recognize my privilege in that, but town days were not easy for me okay this is this is the moral of my story where was i even going with this oh yeah what i hate about the colorado trail so we decide to take the collegiate west regardless of the thunderstorms so the collegiate west starts with you hiking up hope pass which was amazing i really liked hope pass i had heard from other people you know it it was the worst climb of the ct but i really loved it i thought it was really fun it was beautiful it's part of the leadville 100 course so as an ultra runner it is a very special historical moment to be able to hike that course right we hike up hope pass and then we also hike up half of lake ann pass that was the highest night we had slept at so i think we slept at 12 1 12 2 just below the pass it was easily the best campsite on 
the Colorado Trail. If you do the Colorado Trail or you plan on camping like anywhere in Colorado, Lake Ann, dude, go to Lake Ann. We had the most beautiful sunset. It was an incredible time. And honestly, that day was really nice. We had a really great first day on the Collegiate West, which is why the next day sucked so horrendously. The next day, Val and I wake up at 6 a.m. and we're out of our tents by 6.30. Everything's packed up. We start going up the pass and it immediately starts raining. The sky is gray, it's raining, it's drizzling, and that continues all day. It's freezing everything's wet i have a poncho i hated my rain system you guys do not use a poncho literally the worst horrible i had i had a jacket and then i heated advice otherwise and i regretted it because i would have really been happy in my rain jacket with the pack cover val and i get 12 miles into this awful day just the worst fucking day on the ct and we still have another four miles to climb so when val and i were together for the first week or so we did 16 mile days it felt a lot more manageable than pulling 20s with all the elevation and we were at such high altitude we get 12 miles in to the spot called texas creek and we're both miserable, our feet hurt, everything sucks, and we look at each other and we're like, you know what, maybe let's just call it here because everything's wet, it was starting to pick up again. We were just not okay, you know? Also, Val is sick at this point on the trail. She's coughing, she's having all kinds of gastrointestinal stuff, she's not well. And this is like my second day of knowing Val and we're just like sick and disgusting. So we go on gut hooks, AKA far out, which is, potentially my actual favorite thing of this trail there is an app it is called far out it used to be called gut hooks that's why we all refer to it as gut hooks and basically it is a gps map of the entire trail so you download the trail and then you can get updates on waypoints on the trail so all the water sources are marked and people can leave comments as to whether they're flowing or the condition of them you have town guides it tells you what's in the town you're going to how far of a hitch you have to take there are things like <laughs> reviews for gates on the colorado trail maybe the funniest thing on the colorado trail <laughs> was everyone reviewing gates so there were a bunch of gates on trail mostly centered around the cow flat section but also just randomly on the trail and on far out people had to review the gates so we would leave comments like this one's choosing violence today or this gate was nice today and everyone it was just ridiculous so i was really looking forward to this one particular gate on the colorado trail and it did not disappoint it was the gate almost at the very end of the cow flats and it was like a strung barbed wire gate it was insane you open the gate and it sh it like shoots back it flies back it's it's honestly a weapon like it's dangerous i had been looking for i saw the reviews and i'd been looking for that gate for weeks oh, weeks is a little dramatic maybe six days because every single night val and i would sit down and do map review every night the two of us would get in our separate tents and we would open the maps around the same time and then we would say things to each other about the map we'd say oh my god do you see this thing at 342 like look at this landmark here's this water and basically we'd figure out our campsite for the next night how far we wanted to go how long were the water carries map review is a sacred time to the through hikers okay it is our time to figure out what we're doing with our lives and feel like we're accomplishing something okay i like map review and val was an intel officer in the army <laughs> it very much checks out okay so we're at texas creek 
Creek and we jump on gut hooks and we look at the reviews and the comments for Texas Creek and we see a little comment from about a week ago and that sweet sweet comment said that a bear got into someone's food at that site so we did not stay bears were not a huge concern of mine on the ct and and they're for good reason not so there are so many people on the ct and the cdt in that area that it's they stay away they stay away they 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 are attracted to the food i'm i'm gonna give them that but they tend to stay away from where the people go my food storage solution i had an op sack which is a smell proof bag and i also had an ursac which is a it's basically a kevlar bag that the bears can't get into critters can and have as val will tell you from her week on the pct a couple little critters got into to her ursac because she didn't have an opsac bag the opsac bag basically puts in stealth mode okay they don't know the food is there unless they get really really close and they find it it's it's it i liked my solution okay it's lightweight however we were with some people who frequented the ultralight subreddit a lot and they said they don't use anything they have no ursac they have no bear can they have no op sack they just literally put their food in a stuff sack and put in their bag in their sleeping bag they were sleeping with their food if you all will go back in time with me and just give me this time travel opportunity do you remember cody the guy i named chicken joe on my first day on the trail my unprepared king in his ultras with no bear bag no rain gear it was his first night backpacking ever the first night on the ct just absolute king okay first of all that little chicken he finished the trail in 19 days 19 days okay 19 days means the man was doing a marathon a day at least if not more many days i mean i don't know how many zeros he took he could have taken a couple i do know he slept on top of mount albert the tallest 14er besides mount whitney in the continental u.s he literally slept on top of it so chicken's food got taken by a fox on night one he did not have an op sack or an ursac and he put his food in a little stuff sack and he put it far from him he should have just put it in his bag we know now pretty sure that's what he ended up doing the rest of the trail so all the ultralighters we knew just didn't have bear protection their their game plan was to sleep with their food and honestly by the end of the trail i was so desensitized to any kind of bear danger i was sleeping with my food in my tent by night like eight and i am not saying that this is the way okay do not go get your food eaten by a bear and be like you know what mac told me to on the gremlin gremlin talk pod week nine she said to no 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 don't don't follow my advice okay i am giving you the through hiker trash lowdown and that includes honesty about my food solution and i'm not proud of it and if my parents ever hear this podcast they're probably gonna be really disappointed in me but that was my simple solution okay at least i had the opsack and the ursac I did sleep with my food, but at least I had it, okay? I would love to talk about some lessons I learned on the CT because even though 
every day kind of sucked and it was an utter shit show and I made some really good friends and I partied and had a lot of fun. I learned some really important lessons. We have talked about a lot of things on this pod. Okay, we've talked about my mental health history. We have talked about disordered eating. We have talked about literally everything, all right? Something I have learned from completing this trail. Everything is going to work out. Everything's gonna work out. I am resourceful enough to figure it out I have the skill set and capability to handle any major problems that come my way, and there is next to no point in stressing over uncontrollables, and everything's going to work out. Coming to, okay, now I'm gonna give you, okay, where the hell am I, you guys? I'm in Honolulu. I am in Hawaii. I am staying in Honolulu for a month with my old landlord slash best friend Tess. We are sharing a studio bedroom in Honolulu in Waikiki and it's going to be a really fun month and Tess is going on my date. I literally made a Bumble account for this because I was like, you know, fuck it. Like, first of all, Bumble BFF, I'm trying to make a friend group to do things with because it's super fun out here. And two, there's like eight military bases. And I think I am just emotionally unavailable enough at this point in my life to do whatever I want. And it's going to be fine. Wouldn't say I'm exactly looking for a boyfriend. Also, I have said, I, <laughs> here we go again, me just being honest on the pod. I'm not really interested in sleeping with anybody. It's just like kind of fun, kind of fun to meet people, kind of fun to play little games and be funny and weird and just kind of you know I'm 23 okay I can do what I want so we're in Honolulu and we arrived Wednesday no Tuesday evening and we're at the airport and Tess was really stressed out because we have two surfboards and we were trying to figure out if our uber or our lift or whatever was going to have space for the surfboards we were also, I mean, I say we, I wasn't very stressed. She she was stressed out because our lift was scheduled for like 8.45 and our surfboards, we, we made it in time, but our, yeah, it was a whole thing, okay? The point being, there was a lot of anxiety about whether we were gonna get the lift, whether our surfboards were gonna fit, and then when it became apparent they weren't gonna fit, were we gonna be able to get a ride? And I, I just like wasn't stressed about it. It just wasn't a stressful event for me. Tess was very stressed and Tess is a little bit more higher anxiety than I generally am anyways, but I'm kind of at the point after the CT where it's like, dude, why freak out? Like it's going to work out. Like let's, we could hitch a ride. <laughs> it's gonna, let me just put my thumb up on the side of the road. Like we're back on the CT and I could hitch a ride. It's not a big deal. I think that might be a confidence thing. Like maybe I now have the confidence to understand that anything that comes my way, I'm going to be able to handle. Also again, everything just works out. Like what is the worst that's going to happen? We're going to have to, like, it's going to work out, you know? I think that is probably my biggest takeaway from the trail. And I think that comes from the stillness and slowness of the trail. Like you're literally just walking, you're putting one foot in front of the other for like 12 hours a day. In towns, we would worry about finding a ride to get back to the CT and it literally always worked out. We'd worry about hitching into towns, it always worked out. And so I'm kind of just like, dude, none of this matters. Literally not a single part of this matters. 
So I'm hoping to adopt that mindset and keep that with me moving forward in life in general. Also having this confidence in my resourcefulness and knowing that no matter what happens, I'm going to be able to figure it out. I have the tools at my disposal to come up with any problem. I will say when we were on our last day on the CT and everyone was emotional. So we were all reflecting on what we'd learned and how far we'd come and people were crying. I I didn't cry. I don't think it's really hit me that I finished the CT and I think this is why. Most of my time on the CT was spent having an out-of-body experience. I genuinely think I, you know, people throw around the word dissociate, but I, I was so mentally removed from my physical experience I really learned how to suffer on that trail which is important because I am in 100 miler training I really learned how to take my physical suffering and my physical experience and separate it emotionally and mentally from whatever was going on I spent a lot of time just hanging out in the pain cave the last two hours of almost any day were a complete and utter nightmare. And miles go so slow when you're backpacking. I'm used to running, like trail running, you're at least doing five miles an hour. So on the trail, I was lucky to be doing two and a half or three. I would check gut hooks in those last two miles, like every five minutes. And it was so disheartening to check it in five minutes and see you've gone 0.1 miles and you'd already been hiking all day. In fact, this lesson was so important that I was able to drive like 12 hours to Los Angeles in one day with relative ease. 12 hours sitting in a car alone, thinking about stuff. It, it wasn't hard. It was very easy for me to sit and think and drive for 12 hours. And I think it's because I'm so used to being extremely uncomfortable every day that it was just like, yeah, I can sit in an air-conditioned car and get a slushie and eat snacks and, and drive for 12 hours. Like, whatever. I can't say I've ever felt like that on such a lone road trip. I think the longest trip I've done in one day by myself was like eight hours and that I mean actually no that's not true like 11 but it was it was very tough for me I felt very antsy and anxious and I wanted to be out of the car even when I was in Los Angeles and I was like 30 miles away from where I was going it was just like yeah you know whatever I could sit here another six hours I I think that's a good ability I think that's a good thing to be able to just tolerate relative discomfort for a really long period of time now I am super stoked about how much stronger my feet got early in the trail. That was my main learning factor. My feet were so painful by the end of the day. It, I couldn't walk. It was awful. We were like hobbling everywhere. You should see Val right now. She's actually hobbling. It's so funny. I'm not quite hobbling. My feet actually feel pretty fine. In the last couple days, I finished a trail three or four days ago. I am having like a little bit of just weird growing pains. But again, I'm running a 100 miler in October, so I need to save all of these adaptations as much as I can. I think that's everything I wanna say about the Colorado Trail. 
Overall, I really do appreciate my experience on the trail. I met the most amazing people and I had a blast, but I'm not sure that through hiking is really for me. By mile 300 or so, I was daydreaming about CrossFit. I know this about myself. I am not cut out to be a one sport athlete. I'm not good with commitment. I, I'm not really even a one, a one place kind of person, okay? I, I'm not meant to settle down. And through hiking, is just that you're literally just walking all day every day for months on end i thought before the trail that hey maybe i'll do the pct someday i i don't know i don't know if i really want to do the pct next year now i'm having that urge i, I get this itch where i'm like oh i want to get really good at something that happened before the spartan north american championships last year i was just like oh, i want to try something new i want to get good at something i think that something is now going to be crossfit i think we're going back to crossfit I'm still 100 miler training and I'm super fucking stoked and terrified about the idea of running 100 miles in a day and I can't believe anybody I, I can't believe you can just sign up for that I can't believe there is no it's kind of like having a child I can't believe that there is no qualification for that literally anybody can just be like hey I want to run 100 miles this year and sign up for it. that is ridiculous we are given way too much freedom as a species and I stand by that so tirade aside yeah I I'm a mile and a half from a CrossFit gym here. So I went for the first time to CrossFit today. It's been a long time since I've been in a CrossFit gym. I had a running wad today, which is just perfect. Just absolutely perfect after a month of walking that I would come back to a running wad. But regardless, the fitness is good. I'm used to 12,000 feet of altitude. So even though it's hot and sticky here, I do need the heat training. I need the heat adaptation. Altitude and heat affect your body in similar ways. So I've got a good amount of red blood cells coursing through my body. I will say though, uh, there is something really major that I'm working on. I got very sick on the Colorado Trail. I had a fever. I had to take an hour nap a couple days in the afternoon. I would just lay on the side of the dirt, <laughs> the side of the trail in the dirt and take a nap in the fetal position on my pack. It was really pathetic, honestly. I don't get sick very often, and this was just sad. And part of being that sick, I just wasn't hungry. I felt super nauseous. I didn't want to eat anything, and I was walking 20 plus miles a day with a heavy pack on my back and climbing up mountain passes. So I am pretty unsustainably lean right now, and I've never had this problem. I've never lost a lot of weight very quickly and felt very small and weak. Problem though is I, I, I'm understanding the problem with bodybuilding a little bit more now. When you're this lean and your clothes are all big on you, we all have this societal thing of like smaller is better, right? And even though from a performance standpoint, I know that I am weak and I need to put on weight again, it's still like, ooh, I'm at X percent body fat and I look very lean and small and my clothes are falling off me like woo. And I'm I'm figuring out how to undo that because I am very hungry and I have a lot of training to get done. So I'm having this internal wrestling dialogue where 
I, I did have a major shift. I talked about this on the last podcast. I had a major shift with the way I view food, a shift that's been happening for the last year, but viewing it as fuel and ignoring, like just it, allowing junk food to be a major part of my diet because I needed the calories. And now that I'm off trail, I want to eat well. I want to feel good. I'm so tired of junk food, but the problem is I'm in Hawaii and food is expensive. And I feel poor right now because I don't have a steady income. So I'm wrestling with this internal dialogue of like oh I'm super lean right now but I need food because I'm hungry and I want to perform well but food is fucking expensive so it's just like <laughs> it's not a good time I'm, I'm glad I'm dealing with this in Honolulu like I'm glad I'm not back at my job although I would have a lot easier access to food if I had you know my private chefs and people cooking for me so there is definitely that internal dialogue that I'm wrestling with and I'm trying to be open about it uh, another girl who did the CT Alex she has talked about this as well losing a lot of weight on trail and being told you look good and you look really lean and it's all like very toxic first of all why are we commenting on other people's bodies we shouldn't be it's not healthy or sustainable for me to be this lean i don't think i've been this lean since like eighth grade i'm not even kidding my boobs are like half the size they were (laughs) overall it is just a problem i wasn't expecting to have and I'm annoyed that I'm now dealing with it and I have to go through this whole mental health disordered eating battle in my little head over my body from walking 20 plus miles a day. So that's the summary. I am trying to get my body out of starvation mode. I'm eating a lot of PB&Js. I'm drinking a lot of chocolate milk. I'm eating a lot of bagels and I'm going to be training really hard in the gym, lifting some heavy weights so I can put in the miles and not get injured. I had no problem with my body before. It honestly wasn't something I thought about on a daily basis. I prefer it. I've talked about this before. I prefer body neutrality. I'm not a big fan of body positivity. I don't think it's healthy to create this fixation on having a loving relationship with your body. And I think why isn't it enough to just be why why do you have to love your body why can't it just be i don't want the way my body looks i don't want uh, my appearance to be something that's a major factor in my day-to-day if i feel good and i'm running fast and i'm lifting heavy then that is enough for me but right now coming off the trail i don't have any real performance metrics that i'm shooting for there's nothing there's no real driver of my my I guess my identity I guess it's really what we're getting at my identity as an athlete is probably a bit shaken after just hiking for a month and it felt so let me tell you it felt so fucking good today to go to a new gym it's funny because when you go to a new gym they have no idea who you are right like they don't they don't know your background they don't know how strong you are they know nothing so I come into the gym as a drop-in and they don't, they're like telling me how to do a lunge and I'm like, oh baby, I'm, I'm okay. (laughs) Like they were like impressed that I was agile enough to do a jumping lunge and I'm like, dog, y'all, y'all don't even know. It felt good to just show up to class and perform well in a workout and have a good time. So that's what I'm going to be doing with my month in Oahu. I'm going to be working out. I'm going to be eating a lot. I'm going to be training for a hundred miler and doing a little surfing. I'm a little surf slash every day. It's so beautiful here and I'm so happy to be here and not 
fucking walking 20 miles a day on the Colorado drone, climbing my ass off. In other news, I have received some really fun DMs that I really want to read on the pod, so that's what we're going to do now. Also, you guys, Tess has been going in my Bumble, and she desperately wants us to get on a military base. I'm like, baby, I do not need more military men in my life, okay? I'm still hung up on like four of them. So she went on, and she found this guy, this like hella conservative guy. We've talked about my beliefs on this pod, okay? We we all know where I stand. He literally has a thing about herd immunity on his profile, which is just so extremely aggressive. This bitch, she is literally trying to set us up to go on the base. She's like, hey, can me and your roomie, me and my roomie come on the base? I'm like, dude, dude, I am not sacrificing a day in Honolulu to go meet this conservative ass man and see the fucking marine base, all right? (laughs) I don't trust her, but I do respect her, all right? Okay, DM reading time. Okay, this one goes out to my girl, Kat. Kat, I see you and I love you. And this is the sweetest fucking thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Homegirl said, hi, popping in to say thank you. I've been doing lots of reflection lately on where I'm at in life and where I want to be. I was listening to your pod yesterday and it dawned on me that I've been straight up influenced by you, girl, in all the best ways. Not giving a shit, doing what makes me happy. She says she literally quit her miserable job last week to run more and travel more eating more to fuel my body because it's inca- it's capable of insane things and making dreams reality you're a real girl boss and your content has empowered me and i'm sure so many others love you mac in the sprinter literally the sweetest dm i've ever seen in my entire life i also so recently my instagram has kind of blown up a lot and it's because of reels but there have been some really funny moments of people who have met me on trail later find my instagram or they saw my instagram before and i got the actual sweetest dm when we we were on trail on top of Hope Pass. We ran into this outward bound course. It's like a college course and these kids go out in the woods and there was one girl. So there was one girl in this course and she was so cute and so fun. She found me on Instagram somehow. I think I just popped up on our explore page and she sent the sweetest DM. She said, I was in the Outward Bound course that saw you up on Hope Pass this summer. I just wanted to let you know that I was really struggling with the course and with being the only female student. Seeing you and your friend being two single women backpacking alone together was really encouraging to me. I was sad thinking I'd never get to say thank you, but you popped up on my Explore page. Anyways, thanks for being encouraging and giving me the inspiration to finish out my course. Also, thanks for inspiring me. I'm doing my first solo backpacking trip in a couple weeks. You're super cool. I do read my DMs like I've been very busy and I haven't even been responding to my friends who text me but I read my DMs and I get some real gems so I wanted to share those with you guys today because they were so sweet and so kind and I'm listening like I'm truly I'm reading I'm listening and I appreciate you all this podcast is averaging 1200 downloads an episode. I don't know how many listens. It's not a metric that I'm super privy to, but there's kind of a lot of people listening to this fucking podcast and I can't believe that. So it is my joy and my honor to be the Gremlin Talk leader. Each and every one of you is special and I'm sorry I abandoned you last week and I will try my best to never let it happen again. I feel so grateful. Okay, we're just going to go on my little gratitude tangent. This is how I end like all my episodes, I feel like. I feel so grateful that this is my life. I feel so grateful. I... I can't believe I even took this leap 
to go on leave of absence and do the Colorado Trail and race. And I feel like I'm actually focusing on content. I wasn't focusing on content for the first month or so of my leave with the vlogs, the podcast, um, working a lot on my Instagram, my TikTok and stuff. It, it's a lot of work. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I did not think that being a quote unquote influencer content creator was a hard job, but it is. You're on 24-7. I spend hours a day editing videos, making content, coming up with ideas, but I love it. Like I genuinely love what I do. I love that I get to share my life on the internet. I love that I have this living diary of what's going on on a daily basis. It can be really hard and there can be a lot of... I'm having a tough time right now being in Hawaii. If you post anything in Hawaii, people attack you like a lot of people because I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently there is an over tourism problem in Hawaii right now, uh, mostly on Maui. There's a water crisis, so the laws are kind of changing. So short term rentals have to be 30 days. Tess and I are in this apartment for 30 days. That's to limit short-term, just over-tourism ruining the environment in Hawaii. And I am trying my best to be A, respectful of the culture, and B, contributing to local establishments instead of purchasing from large retailers. All of the locals I've met are like super fucking stoked to have us here. So I think it's mostly like a social media people getting riled up it's like the bandwagon thing if you post something and someone comments something negative and then other people jump on it and then you're kind of just like getting attacked so I'm feeling like a lot of anxiety just like even being here but I'm trying my best to be respectful of the culture and to I don't know like be a sustainable tourist I guess Waikiki is definitely very tourist heavy it's not quite the same I think as going to one of the more remote islands and just like destroying everything but still I know it's my responsibility to be a sustainable tourist and practice responsible tourism so that's kind of where I stand on the Hawaii thing uh I've gotten some yeah just it's a whole thing I'm trying my best I I didn't know that there was a problem here before I came here but I'm trying to be a good person but I make mistakes sometimes That's kind of my spiel for the day. I am happy I sat down and did the pod. I always love the podcast. Every time I sit down here, I feel like I need to be in a certain mindset to do it, but I just love getting on here and kind of riffing. It's very unscripted. It's just whatever's in the forefront of my mind is what we're going to talk about today. I hope that you enjoyed the episode, and if you really liked it, you should send it, as always, to your hottest friend send it to your mother tell her say hi tell her i miss her if you're listening and you're like wow i fucking love this podcast everything about this podcast is amazing you know what review us leave me a little review i know on apple pod i actually need to go on apple pod and check out the reviews because those definitely deserve some recognition but i really appreciate you guys leaving reviews on the spotify and just sharing this podcast and making this a thing podcasting is really fun and it's something i want to grow and learn and get better at so i appreciate each and every single one of you that comes on here every week and listens to what i have to say and brings a little more positive gremlin chaotic healthy action to your life i love each and every one of you and i want to kiss all of you on the forehead so 
I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and you enjoy the episode. And I hope you're just, uh, it's going to be a great day, okay? Okay, bye. This is it. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. Okay, bye. I love you. See you next time.